Today we are going to be talking about um, the next one in our series. Um, as Kim introduced me, I'm Sam. If you're new here, can I just uh, extend a welcome to you um, from Hope Church and from myself? And we're going through a, a series at the moment where we're looking at our, this season ahead, where we're looking at the topic of intimacy and increase from Isaiah 54 and 55. We felt God speak to us about this, and um, we've presented the idea of uh, what intimacy and increase is, and we've gone through Isaiah 54 and 55, and we've gone through some of our objectives. And today we're on to our last objective, and it's about raising a generation. Now, when I looked at this, uh, this objective, I'm going to tell you, and I don't think I'll cry today, but I'm going to tell you when I was writing this preach, I cried multiple times. I cried multiple times for the generation that is after me. I cried multiple times looking at my past and how faithful people had served me in the church to help me to be where I am today. I cried. And I, as I said, I try not to cry today, but I did get a word a little while ago where God's, uh, someone said that God's going to make you a man of tears. Um, and so if I do cry, I'm not going to apologize for it because I think that's what God's going to do. But just be prepared. A blubbering, bubbling six-foot man on the stage, just get used to it. Um, but I wanna, before we start, I want to tell you a story about my childhood. Now, usually when we go, sto- well, sometimes we tell stories, they're funny, they're like, Yes, this is so funny. Laughs at Sam's done something stupid. Let's laugh at Sam. Or there's a funny scenario that I tell you about or something like that. But today I just want to tell you a little bit about my past. So I grew up in a church and that was such a blessing. My parents are Christians and they used to take me to church when I was younger. And growing up, I remember loving kids' work. I loved going to Sunday school, as we called it. I used to be so excited to go along. Sundays were a great day for me. I used to love going in, meet my friends, and learn about, about Jesus and the amazing uh, Word of God. And I still remember having great kids workers. So thank you if you're a kids worker. I want to honor you for that as well. And I learned loads, and I even did a Bible course as, a, as like a year six. Makes me sound a bit weird. I was in year six and doing a Bible course. But it was so fun. I learned loads about the Bible. I learned stuff about the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I still remember doing it, and you had to submit it. I think it was with the Scripture Union or something like that. And you got a little certificate to say you completed it. And I, was, I loved it. I loved it. Things were going really well. Then I went to uh, secondary school, and I moved into youth. And in youth, I was the only one my age. I've been used to having loads of kids with me, but because I was probably one of the older ones in this, in this group, uh, I moved up and I was the only one. And some families moved away from the church, and it meant I was the only youth member for about two years until my brother joined me. And that sounds like it's going to be a pretty sad story, doesn't it? Sam alone in a youth room with a youth leader. Safeguarding was all okay, DBSs were done and things like that. But it, was, it wasn't that sad. I met, there was a man called Ian, he was my youth leader. And um, sadly, he's passed away now. But Ian got what it meant to be a youth leader. It would so easy to cancel youth, just for me. There's only one person there. You can just stay in the service, Sam. But Ian didn't view youth like that. Ian didn't view the next generation like that. He was the only youth leader on our youth team at that point, And every week, he took me out. Every week, we went into the, the youth room. And I remember, he, went, he asked me what I wanted to do, and I said, I'd love to learn more about the Bible. And he went through book after book after book. And we went through what the theme was, who wrote it, the time period. And I still remember stuff today. It was such a good foundation for me as a teenager to have that. And he ran it because he knew the importance of the next generation. 
He knew the importance that youth and kids' work are the church of today and tomorrow. And he knew that part of raising a generation is to sacrifice some things that you might find enjoyable, that you might prefer to stay in the service. But he put that to one side for me. At 15, I, uh, for lots of reasons, I actually ended up going to a different church. Um, and during that time, his wife was called Kathy. Kathy and Ian still used to keep in contact with me, check up with me, make sure I'm all right. There was great youth leaders at my new church, but they still kept in contact with me. Then I went off to university, and as some of you know my story, I've shared it before, university was not a good time for me in my walk with God. I rebelled against God during that time, rejected him, walked away from him. But during that time period, there were some people who faithfully kept in contact with me, and Kathy and Ian were one of them. They used to send me postcards to my university halls and to my, when I lived in a house at uni. They kept in contact, kept loving me, kept showing me God's love, even though they were probably aware that I'd rebelled and walked away. And I came back to God at the last year of my university studies. And I honestly believe that one of the things that got me through that time was Kathy and Ian's love for me. Showing me God's love again and again because they understood the importance of the next generation. They understood what it meant to lead youth well, lead kids' work well, even though they weren't officially my kids and youth leaders by then. As I said, he's passed away now, but I'm sure when he went into heaven, God would say to him, well done, good and faithful servant, as we read in the Bible, but I'm sure he's got some kind of responsibility or blessing because of the work that he put into me. Some kind of reward of saying, well done, Ian. You faithfully served those youth. You faithfully served Sam. Now, I don't say this as a story to think, oh, Ian was so amazing, I can't do anything like that. I say this because Ian is an inspiration for me. It doesn't matter if I'm working with officially with youth work or kids' work. It doesn't matter about that at all. He was a man who understood what it meant to raise a generation. He was a man who understood God's word and God's love for, for every single one of us. And then he put it into action. He walked it. He lived it. Now, you might be thinking, oh, Ian must have been about, when I was 11, 13, Ian must have been about 20-something, because youth leaders are all cool and young. That's sometimes what we think. Now, Ian was in his 50s when he was my youth leader. Ian didn't consider age to be a barrier to help the next generation because he knew what it meant to raise a generation. Now, there's part of me that thinks I could just finish there on that story and say, take that, absorb it, and live it. Now, Ian wasn't perfect. There was loads of things Ian used to do that wasn't perfect, but I used to find him quite funny as a youth. But he is an inspiration. And I want to start off by saying, if you're sitting here this morning and we come to talk about raising a generation and you're thinking, I'm too old. I know 50-something isn't old at all. But Ian didn't consider it age and a problem, and nor do we. If God's blessed you in the area of working with youth, and we'll come on to the, in a minute by what that means for the whole church, don't discount yourself because of your age. Now, I called this talk... Is this a lost generation? I don't know about you, but when you listen to the news and uh, whatever on your phone, you want to go through articles, all I ever hear is really negative stories about teenagers and kids' work and kids' stuff. And, um, 
And I was like, whoa, this is so depressing. And I started to look at some statistics during this time, and I was like, let's see what kind of statistics are out there. I'm just going to read some of them to you. One in six children aged 5 to 16 were identified as having a probable mental health problem. And that was in July 2021. That's, if you think about it in terms of classrooms, that's five children in every class probably has a mental health problem. Nearly half of 17 to 19-year-olds were diagnosable with mental health disorder, have, uh, who have a mental health disorder, sorry, have self-harmed or attempted suicide at some point. This is an American stat. The next one, but is, they think it'd be similar for the UK. Across age groups, the average amount of time spent on social media ranges as low as 4.1 hours per day for 13-year-olds and 5.8 hours per day for 17-year-olds. And girls spend, nearly more than one, spend more than one hour more than boys on social media. In 2020... 48% of 12 to 15-year-olds suffered online abuse, abusive behavior, or threats, and 42% of them were pressured into sending photos. I'm wearing this T-shirt today because I support a charity um, in London called uh, Power the Fight, and they are working against knife crime and violence for teenagers. 50% of all knife crime offenders in London are teenagers or younger children. 40% 40, 40 of young people were bullied in the last 12 months. Now, I guess most times you come to church, you think it's going to be quite a positive message. And this is a positive message because we've got great news to come. But before we get to this great news, I wanted to hit you with the real facts about being a child and a teenager today. Life is not easy for them. It's difficult. And I'm saying your upbringing wasn't difficult either. Um, it may well have been. I don't want to disregard what you went through. But I want to make it real for you what teenagers and young people and children go through today. But what about the church? Well, the C of E did a, a, um, a survey recently. And 38% of churches have no six, 0 to 16-year-olds. 68% have fewer than 5 young people. And the attendance of under-16s is declining faster than any other group in the C of E. Now, we might look at that and go, this is pretty bleak. We've got a problem. But thankfully, as we're going to come on today, it's not all bad news. There's some really good news. So let's look at us. Let's look at Hope Church. Well, on a Sunday, uh, on average, whether they are downstairs or upstairs, we have around 15 to 20 youth. We have 20 to 25 kids plus creche. During the week on Kids Connect, there's an average of 16 children. On Youth Connect, there's an average of 15 children. In FNK, we get around 50 children. And Hangout, we get around 25 children. That is amazing. Well done, church, for doing that. Well done, God, for blessing us in that way. And in fact, 34% of UK teens said Jesus offers hope and cares about people. A survey was done and 34% of teenagers said Jesus offers hope. Just over a quarter, or just around a quarter, said that he was trustworthy and generous. Over one third have some level of motivation to learn about Christianity and the scriptures. While nearly half, 43%, believe Jesus was crucified. 
This study also found that over half of British teens are justice-orientated, but lack the commitment and the confidence to act on that, which is amazing because God is a God of justice and he stands up for the marginalized, and he's done it for all of eternity. So I look at that and I go, is this really a lost generation? And my answer is no. It's not a lost generation. Yeah, it's hard times for them, but we know if you've read any parts of the, uh, most of the Bible that you see again and again and again, when things seem bleak and things seem lost, God is the God of the breakthrough. He comes rushing in and redeems situations because of his power and his love for all of humanity, and he loves children and teenagers. Think about the, when Jesus was on earth, they tried to keep the children away from him, and he said, no, let them come to me. He loves children and teenagers. And when things seem impossible, God is the God of the possible. He is the God of the breakthrough. He is the redeeming God. And there's hope. This generation loves justice. And true justice is found in God. This generation is searching for truth. But sadly, they're looking in the wrong place. Because God is real truth. This generation is longing for acceptance. We see it again and again. And total acceptance and identity is found in God. This generation has gifts and talents. And they are God-given. And he wants them to use them for him. He doesn't discount them. This generation, there's a study. Sorry, I've got a cold and a cough at the moment. A sore throat. This generation, uh, there's a study that they have high expectations and it's really interesting, I think. And what's more interesting than that, God is perfect in all of his ways. We sang it, he will never let them down, he will never fail. I felt prophetically that God was wanted to remind us that he's calling this generation at, to him, and we have a role to play in that. So Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to, 15, uh, 11 to 13. Some of you will know it really well, I'm just going to quickly read it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The Lord, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a, f- and a future. Then you will call me and come and pray, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Now that was words spoken to Israel. And <clears throat> there was a lot of prophetic meaning to it at that time. But I feel God brought it to me for this generation that is our younger generation now. This, this word, I don't know if you know much about Jeremiah, but this, this passage, this uh, couple of verses are given to Jeremiah when they're in a place of exile. It's, it's bleak, it's despair. There's, it's a really hard place. And you might draw similarities between the position of uh, Israel at that time and some of the statistics I read earlier on about our youth and our kids' work. It's bleak. But God says, I have a plan for you and a hope. Call me. And come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. See, God is calling this generation. God is calling them to him. He's never rejected them. He's never forsaken them. He's never leave, left them. But he is calling them into a place of closeness. And we believe as a church that God has given us a mandate in that to step up, to raise a generation that loves God, 
that goes after him and seeks him, knowing that God is there, knowing that God will draw close as we're promised, and knowing that God will listen. You see, Isaiah 54, which we've picked up before, does speak and refer to the next generation a couple of times. Now, once more, there is deep prophetic meaning in these verses that I don't have time to delve into now. But I'm just going to read a couple of verses. 54, verse 3. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. <coughs> and 54, verse 13. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. We felt that what God was saying to us is that he's calling us to step up. He's calling us to raise a generation it's causing us, it's calling us that we will see a harvest in that generation where people will give their lives to him and live for him. <clears throat> we felt God say that we're going to see a generation that is devoted to him and live by his word. We felt that like God was saying he will, he will bring his peace to an anxious generation. We felt God say he is going to use us to raise a generation. But what does that raising a generation really look like? So objective four says this. We are committed to raise a generation who are passionate, spirit-filled influencers for God's kingdom and love Jesus. So we believe that a generation that is passionate and is risen is one that worships. Now, I quite like things like this. You might think, oh, it's a bit cheesy. I can't remember the name of it now. I used to be a teacher, and this is terrible. Where each letter refers to a different word. <coughs> so, a generation that worships, number one, W, is worship, an easy one. One who praises God. One who loves him and adores him and puts him number one. Offer, oh, offers all. One that surrenders themselves to the will of God. Just like we all should, where we surrender ourselves we see a generation, one that offers all their actions, their dreams, and their desires of their heart to fall in line with God and say yes to him. Ones where they offer their relationships, their friendships to him. Ah, oh, one that's rooted, a generation that is rooted, that knows and lives by the word of God. That decisions that they make about their future and about their decisions and their beliefs are standing on God's standards and God's word. And the one, a generation is rooted that will stand up for God. Will stand up to their peers about what is right. S, really important, a generation that is spirit-filled, full of the Holy Spirit, that they are guided daily by his spirit, that they are kingdom carriers, they go into situations where they know they carry the kingdom of God because the Holy Spirit goes with them. H, harvesters. A generation, we heard it last week actually in the prophetic word, a generation that will harvest. A generation that is bold in speaking the gospel. A generation that will ask that question that Jesus, we heard today already, calls to us. Follow me. A generation that will say to their friends and those they come into contact, will you follow Jesus? I, a generation that intercedes, a generation 
that praise, a generation that gets on their knees and cries out to God, pleases, pleads to him, but doesn't just speak, a generation that hears the word of God and hears his plan, hears the gentle whisper in their ear. P, a generation that is passionate, a generation that is excited about the gospel, excited about the good news, a generation where God consumes them and he drives them and he pushes them forward. And S, a, God, a generation that serves in the church and outside of the church. That is a generation we want to raise in this church. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to say that. But we are committed to things like safeguarding, making sure our practices are safe and children and youth are safe. We are committed to make sure that we have great children's and youth work and we develop teams that model our objectives and this objective. We create opportunities for people to be involved. We want to identify and equip leaders. We want to promote healthy mentoring and discipleship. And we want to reach out to local community and schools. Some things we already do. We do little sparks on a Thursday. We've got Kids Connect on a Tuesday. We've got FNK on Fridays once, uh, once a half term. We've got Sunday kids work. We've got schools work. We've got assemblies. We've been in Holston, Mellis and Dis. Mentoring. TLG is starting in Dis. <coughs> Junior. Very soon we've got, we do holiday clubs. We've got youth connect groups. We've got hangouts. We've got Sunday morning youth. We've got discipleship program. We've got 16 to 17 teenagers signed up who will meet with their mentor regularly to walk them, walk them through life. We've got New Day. We've got youth and children's socials and many other things. So we're doing all right. We're doing all right. But we believe God is calling us for more. But you might be thinking, if we're doing all right, why are you talking to the whole church? Because once more, this objective is for the church. Tim Alford, or Alford, whoever you want to pronounce his name, he's a, <coughs> he works for Elium Church. He's like the, a bit like the youth director, effectively. He says this, Discipleship is not something that can happen from a platform. It's something that can only happen when we do life together. Could you imagine a children's and youth ministry where you had a spiritually mature parent for every two or three young people who was committed to a long-term journey of investing in their life into raising spiritual sons and daughters? How much more effective would our ministry be? And when it says parent, it's not saying your biological child. It's saying, church, if we want to raise a generation... Of, people, of teenagers and children who love God, we need to step up. We need to step up. We need to journey with our children and young people. Rachel Turner, some of you will know her. She added, churches have historically seen the discipleship of children and young people as a children's and young people specialist problem. I see it as an adult discipleship issue. What a challenge that is. I, I feel like I, I do try and talk to the youth quite a lot and the, the teenagers, but I read that and I thought, I don't think I'm getting it right. I need to invest more of myself into them. I need to invest into them. If, if we want to see them grow, they need someone who's going to journey with them, check in with them. So what does it mean for us? It means we're devoted. If we want to see a generation that worships, we need to be a church that is devoted. First of all, we do another one like these, we can remember you're devoted as well as worships. D, devoted to prayer. 
A church that is devoted to prayer. A church that gets on our knees and prays for this generation. A church that stands with them and prays for them in the tough battles they face. And prays for wisdom and boldness and peace and God's presence for them. E, a church that engages. We talk to them. We share our story with them. We ask them about their life, exams, their friendships. And all of this, as we said before, needs to be done in a way that meets our safeguarding standards and things like that. V, a church that volunteers. A church that if there's a need to serve, if it's the right thing, and you feel God is prompting you that in that way, you stand up and you say, yes, I can serve. Yes, I can volunteer. Oh, a church that is open. If we believe we're going to raise a generation that's going to harvest, we need to be open as a church to receive people. We need to be open to receive children and teenagers that may come in who may not believe the same thing that we believed. But we need to love them, accept them in. And the Holy Spirit and us, we will teach them on God's word. But we need to be open. We don't, want a, <clears throat> we don't want a teenager or a child to come in and feel rejected by the church. A church that is open and ready to receive. T, a church that trusts. Now, if we want to raise a generation, we're going to have to give them opportunities to serve and things like that, we've said. They may get it wrong. I don't know about if you ever got anything wrong. Yeah. I got things wrong. There's times, I remember, especially some of my younger preaching days, I've stood up and I've said something, it's come out the wrong way, and I've been like, oh no, that was not how it was supposed to come out. I've said something wrong. But I was never, con- never condemned for it. We need to be a church that trusts, so we give them a chance, and when, we get the, when, if, when they get things wrong, we're quick to forgive, but we're also quick to teach. We need to give them opportunities. E, a church that encourages. Just like Ian used to encourage me, send me postcards and things like that. We need to be a church that encourages our children and teenagers. Encourage them about their school life. Encourage them about their friendship. Encourage them about their gifts and their talents. You'll see it. Let's not pretend that our gifts and talents suddenly just appear when we turn 18. They don't, we just go 18 and go, whoa, now you can do this. They are developing and growing. Sometimes God will equip us at certain stages with gifts, yes. But he will also grow gifts in us. If you see a gift in a teenager, encourage them. Or speak to their youth leader and say, I really saw this. Can you get alongside them and say, well done. I can see this gift growing in you. Encourage them. Encourage them to come to church. Encourage them to go to events. Encourage them to step out in faith and in boldness. Encourage them to harvest. Encourage the parents. I'm not a parent myself. But from what I can see, it's not the easiest job in the world. I'm sure there's parents here thinking that is an understatement. But it doesn't look that easy. Encourage parents who are trying to raise their children to love God. Encourage them. Offer to help them. Because they play such a vital role. And D, disciple. Do life with them. Include them. Don't ignore them. And if it's right to be part of the discipleship program, they will approach you. And if you feel it's right, then be part of that. Walk alongside a teenager. Help them. Share your wisdom. Disciple them. It's something God tells us to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. Disciple.
once more, let me just clarify on the disciple one. If you're, um, in terms of the discipleship program, they will approach you. We have lots of uh, safeguarding things in place to make sure that um, everything's met properly. So you, you won't just be able to come and go, oh, I want to disciple someone. And we'll just say, yes, because that just won't work. But we feel as a heart, as a church, we all play a role in discipleship, including encouraging and just walking with them. Now, as I said, we've got loads of things going on in church at the moment. I'm just going to invite uh, the Little Sparks people up. They're going to give us a quick update on what's going on at Little Sparks. So, Emma and Andrea. You can welcome up. I think they're a bit nervous. You give them a clap on the way up. We're privileged to be running a very successful baby and toddler group every Thursday morning from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Every week we get up to 40 plus families with babies or toddlers and their mums, dads and carers. We used to have two, uh, we used to have a baby group on a Wednesday and a toddler group on a Thursday morning. However, as, as from September last year, we've successfully merged these two groups together. Love, interaction for kids and parents. We have the great time and the teamwork is amazing. We, we all learn through play and there is so much encouragement and enthusiasm. It's a support space where we play and pray. Uh, the activities are accessible for all. We respect and build relationships while enjoying ref a refreshment. There is so much kindness, snacks, singing and stories. As you can see from the pictures, we have a great time setting up all the activities for the children, also packing down of the items. It's amazing how we hide it all and how neatly we can get it packed away. Families arrive at 10 a.m. We have free play, a craft activity, light refreshments, tidy up time, and then we gather together to finish the session with a sing song. It never ceases to amaze us how we get to see these tiny newborn babies grow each week and in no time at all, they are running around with their own little personalities exploring the world. At Little Sparks, there are friendships made in lots of different ways. The children grow friendships with each other. The adults connect with each other, so much so that they come every week to catch up. There have been strong friendships formed within our team and the support we provide provide one another is amazing. We're in, the neat, we're in the unique position of being able to listen to and help with various situations that our families may find themselves in. We also can offer to pray or with them or for them. We offer, co uh, we offer a comfortable place for all to come and be themselves. I first started helping in the kitchen when it was just the baby group following lockdown. It really helped me to regain my confidence after being home alone for so long. I enjoy doing the crafts with the children. I have made a few friendships with both parents and the children. I'm known as the craft lady. And when, it, when a few come in, they always have smiles on their little faces and come straight to me for a hug. It's so rewarding watching them develop new skills and to know that I helped filled me with joy. Tammy says, 23 years ago, I walked through the door of Hope Church, then DC3. 
It was to be my safe place with five children. To be part of a team, to show love, kindness and friendship is a great blessing and I'm forever grateful. Kaylee says, Little Sparks has been a highlight of myself and Noah's week since we started last Easter. It's a warm welcoming space for parents and caregivers to bring their children and meet like-minded people to connect with. I've seen Noah and myself grow in confidence since, be, since being part of the team. It, truly, it, it is truly a special community that has, that's been created and so much goes on within the one and a half hours. Many families would really miss being part of this little routine in Little Sparks uh, if Little Sparks was unable to continue, as us included. We try to promote other groups that may be helpful to families, including Who Let the Dads Out, Fair Share, Coffee Morning. The families also promote each other groups to each other in the community. As you can see, this is the group we had before Christmas. Unfortunately, due to different circumstances, some have had to sadly leave the group. This now leaves us with a team of five, which makes set up and pack down challenging. We're always looking for new members for our team. Maybe God's speaking to you about serving. We would love you to come and help set up, pack away, help in the kitchen, or to chat with some of the families during the session. Maybe you feel that you couldn't commit to every week, which is fine, but we would be looking to start a rota for those who can help on a regular basis. If you feel that God is calling you to help with this team, please speak to either myself, Tammy, or Emma. Thank you for listening. It is such an amazing team. It's an amazing place to be. Uh, you can have a great conversations with people. Um, so if you can offer, there's just a reminder of time, it's Thursday mornings. If you can offer time to come and help and volunteer, so please speak to Andrea, Emma, T um, Tammy, anyone like that who can uh, sign you up. And as I said, there are various options of how you can sign up. It is such a good group to be part of, such fun, um, and as I said, great conversations. I just want to finish before we hand over to Mary to do communion. That's why the children and youth are back. Just with a quote again. It's by uh, Tim Alford again. Young people need spiritual parents more than spiritual programs. There's a mandate on us all, not only youth workers, to give our attention to raising up spiritual parents with an intense commitment to passing on the gospel to the next generation, rather than volunteers who help to maintain programs. We need, and when he says that, he's talking about how we need volunteers to run programs and we need people to step up to serve in that way. But he said we all play a part. Whether you can volunteer on a Thursday morning or not, whether you can help on a Sunday morning or not, young people, children and teenagers need a church that's committed, that is devoted to raising a generation. I'm going to pray and I'm going to hand over to Mary God we just thank you that you love this generation you love every single one of us and God we just pray that um, for us as a church that you help us to walk in this objective walk in your calling to this generation the younger generation that we will be a church that every single one of us 
takes on this objective and longs to see the generation to come, to, to grow into the fullness in you, to be on fire for you, to be spirit-filled Christians that will see people becoming Christians because of their, their faith in you and how amazing you are. God, I pray for myself and pray for us all that we will be bold and we won't just shut ourselves off from this younger generation, but we will think we can help. What can we do? God, help us be a church that prays, that gets on our knees and prays for this generation, looking at some of those bleak statistics that we read earlier. And God, we pray and we know that you can change those situations. So God, we cry out for you to change those situations now. Holy Spirit, come and move in the younger generation's life. And God, we thank you for the youth and the children we have here. And God, we just pray your blessing upon them. God, we just pray that you will come alongside them and grow them and help us to stand with them in the right way and grow them as well. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. We're just going to...